You know, in our lifetime, it's 2022, and if we just think about it in time alone, there's been men who have radically changed the world that we live in today. And you think of, obviously, Adam, right? Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve, but Adam. You think about Adam. You think of Noah. You think of... You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and you hear in the New Testament when, um, you know, there's, there's certain prayers that always the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And there's men all throughout the Bible. We know Jonah, you know, gets swallowed up by a whale, right? We know all of these men that we've talked about for years. And so today we remember for a moment Dr. Martin Luther King. Tomorrow is the national holiday. And some of the things that he said and some of the things that he said in this video that are absolutely powerful and it's, it's important that we not, when we celebrate somebody, and just like celebrating Jesus, you know, every Sunday, whether we're, we're reading in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, we're talking about Jesus, right? Because we're all here because of Jesus. We are here because of Jesus. And we remember everything that he said and everything that he's done. And so as we look at Martin Luther for a minute, some of the great quotes, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And what a great reminder, because it's so easy to hate today. And because it's so easy to hate today, there are people, there's a devil, that's the agenda that they push. They want Christians to hate one another. They want different denominations to hate one another. They want us to hate the atheists and all the different groups out there. So many people are pushing hate, 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 hate. They want your heart to be filled with hate. Hate cannot drive out hate. It is our job to love because it's love that drives out hate. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. How good are we at forgiving? It's nice to be forgiven, right? Isn't it nice? You know, we talk about Jesus and we know this is the, one of the greatest things that we worship God and we thank God for. All our sins are forgiven, right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And when your sins are forgiven, they're forgotten about. When God forgives you, it's done and then he moves on. It's just our nature that has a problem with forgiveness. When people wrong us, when people curse us, when people hurt us, what do we want to do? We want to hold on to that forever. Jesus Christ has put us here to forgive. Every single person on this planet to forgive, no matter what they've said or done. It's a permanent attitude. I've decided to stick with love because hate is too great a burden to bear. How many of you have ever had hate in your heart? And when that hate is consuming, and I can look back in my few years of living, and I, I remember hating people, it is a heavy weight. It feels heavy when someone bothers you so badly and you hate them. It's a heavy thing to bear. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And how many of us this morning is God saying, the staircase has been right in front of you all your life, you yes, haven't taken the first step yet. And that's crossing over from death to life. That's crossing over from being an atheist to a believer. That's just that first step. But then yet being a Christian isn't only in taking the first step. There's many more steps that God asks us to take, to learn how to grow and to believe and allow our faith to expand. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent 
about the things that matter. You know, if you look to your neighbor right now, I would think you would agree your neighbor matters. Your neighbor matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, you do matter. You matter. You matter. And if your neighbor matters, what do you do to stand and fight for your neighbor? When we remain silent, when we remain silent, our lives begin to end. Do we fight enough for each other? Do we fight enough for what is right to stand, our God-given right as a human being? The ultimate measure of a man, it's not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but that's where we love, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. The measure, if we were to be measured by a measuring stick this morning, how well have we coped? How have we dealt with the challenges in the past few years? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. How many of us, when, when COVID first hit, how many of us went into survival mode? You know, especially when there was a shortage on toilet paper, that was a crisis. But how many of us have not come out of survival mode? We're still just trying to survive because we don't know what's gonna happen next. God didn't put you here to survive, he put you here to thrive. God didn't put you here just to run and hide and, and be in a cave. God has put you here this morning and this year to thrive. Your life matters. The measure of a man or a woman is not where he stands in moments of comfort, but it's where we like to be on our couch, or convenience when life is easy, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy to a friend. There comes a time when one must take a position that's neither safe nor politic, not popular, but he must take it because the conscience tells him it is right. You know, this morning as we honor Martin Luther and some of the quotes and some of the things that he lived by, he was obviously a man who helped change his time forever, helped change eternity forever because he was willing. And that's all God is asking us to do. God has called everybody. It's just not everybody picks up the phone. God has called all of us. It's not just some of us haven't picked up that phone yet. God called him and he was willing to make a difference and give his life for the message. You know, as we start a new year, many of us know that in the new year, what do we start? Our New Year's resolutions, right? Some of the most popular New Year's resolutions 2022, to continually learn, sounds like a good one. Keep a daily journal, good as well. Respond, don't react, yep. Set process, goals for creativity. We love creative people. To become a better friend, how many of us, yes, that's what we're gonna do. Become a better spouse, become a better parent. This year in 22, I'm gonna gain new skills. This is a good one for some, get more organized. This year I'm gonna be more focused and I'm gonna block distractions. This is a super popular one in the workforce, practice time management. I'm gonna practice my time. This year I'm gonna be thoughtful. I'm gonna resolve conflict through appreciation. 
Now we started getting to things that are more relatable to us because I know most of those we just, you know, we say it, but plan. Drink more water, 2022, yep. Exercise more, yep. Get more sleep, check. Wake up earlier, nah. Explore nature, sounds good. Read more books. Travel, eat better, become a better listener. The top three goals for 2022 for people, of course, exercise, lose weight, and save more money. That's what the top three goals for 2022. And so this morning, there's two things I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about perspective. The definition of perspective means an attitude toward or way of regarding something as a point of view. The ability to understand what is important and what isn't. The ability, perspective, get perspective, the ability to understand what is important and what isn't. The definition, number the second word is goals. And this is the object of a person's ambition. The object of a person's ambition. The thing that drives most of us is the ambition. What do we get up and do? other than coffee and get ready. What is the thing that drives us? Goals. <clears throat> the object of a person's ambition or effort or aim and as a desired result. This morning, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to Luke <clears throat> chapter 14, starting at verse 25. You ready? It says a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sister, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. Who would begin construction of a building without calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Verse 29. Otherwise, you might complete only a foundation before running out of money. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you haven't run out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. Who likes being laughed at? They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish. How embarrassing. Verse 31. What king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. You cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Turn to your neighbor and ask, what do you own? Verse 34, salt is good for seasoning. And we have salt this morning. But if salt loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Are you salty? 35, flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Those with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus spoke this this morning in a moment where he had thousands of people following him. And he had thousands of people following him for good reason. They were getting healed. They were getting delivered. Their sins were being forgiven. And who doesn't like a good show, right? Who doesn't like a good show? We all like a, me a good show, right? We like good shows. And so as you see with your own two eyes, really, 
People by the hundreds are being healed. Any sickness, as soon as you get close to Jesus Christ, being instantly healed. And Jesus, being God, as he looks around, he knows their hearts, of course. And he realizes most of these people are following me for the blessing. They're not following me for me. They're not following me for the message. And so he speaks these words and the words that we just read. And honestly, they paint a good picture for godly goals for 2022. Yeah, 2022. They paint a beautiful picture, simply put, what God expects us to do every single year. But in this year, here are simple goals, just like Joel said simple this morning. Number one, God should be first. He said, you should hate everyone else by comparison. Does Jesus want us to hate? No. But the picture he was painting was God needs to be number one, the first in your life every single day. It's not what I want. It's God what you want. God, you are first. God, you are number one. You can be the driver. I'll sit in the back seat. I'll be the passenger. God, you are number one. Even, he said, above yourself. Ooh, point to yourself, say, ouch, that hurts. Even above your spouse even above your kids, even above your dog, which is really hard because Jax is so cute. God first. This should be the goal every single year. Number one, top of the list, God is number one. God is number one. How many of us can remember being in like, um, you know, elementary school and we used to line up for food and we didn't have to wear a mask back then, right? I mean, everyone, you know, how many kids rushed to be first in line? Yes, because it's the warmest, it's the best, and the lady's nicest to the first few kids. Because after like 15 kids, she's grouchy and cranky because kids are, you know, picking their noses, they're coming up through the line and they're just being gross and then they're just being rude, Right. As people wait in line, and really life is about waiting in line, it's about stepping to the side and say, God, no, 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 God, you go before me. God, today, Sunday, this new week, no, God, you go before me. God, I am going to follow after you. Remember last week, Jesus, as he called out to the disciples, this place of a beginning, to call out and ask for disciples means that these men would follow after Jesus, that they would accept Jesus' teaching as their own way of life. And that is exactly what God asks us to do. 2022 and putting God first, it is to accept the way of life, to get behind God and allow him to lead the way. God, number one, God being first. And God being above everything in my life. And that's easier said than done. Because how many of us, how many of us, we just love certain things? How many of us, we love our spouse most of the time? How many of us, we love our kids most of the time? We love our dog all the time, right? Unless he chews up, you know, our our personal belongings, but how many of us, we still have things in our life, we say it's God first, but yet it really isn't when it comes to certain things in our life. God needs to become above every single thing in our life. God goals 2022, God goals God first and God above. God first and God above. And that sounds easy. That sounds great because we're in church and we say, yeah, he is first in my life and he is above everything. But then as soon as we get outside and our stomach starts rumbling, there are people who are led by their stomach more than anything in this world. 
And if your stomach is your God, that's not right. There are people, as soon as they get outside, the phone rings and it's work. I know I get calls on Sunday and it's work and it's customers and it's people. And how many of the job has become above everything else? Because it pays the bills. We want God to provide, but yet we put our job first. We want God to provide. We want God to bless, but yet how many people's mindset is my job first? Do you really want God to bless you? And we don't follow him for the blessing. And in blessing doesn't mean just money. In blessing, there's provision, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's all kinds of things. We don't follow him just for one thing. We give our life to him and all these things follow. We can't say we trust him if we put money in a job first. We can't say we trust God and we expect to receive when there are things above him in our life. 2022, God goals, number one, God first, God above, but thirdly, keeping him where he belongs. You know, Ben, this is really the toughest thing for most of us because when we come into Sunday morning service, when we go to midweek service, when we listen to different messages during the week, we get pumped up and for five minutes, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good, right? And then life hits. And you know what happens when life hits? He becomes out of place in our lives. God first, God above, and keeping him where he belongs. And so as Jesus paints this picture and he's using the word hate, that's exactly what he's talking about. First above and keep me where I belong. And then secondly, he says, you need to carry your own cross. Now, I love how he didn't say, I want you to carry your neighbor's cross. He said, carry your own cross. Because we as people sometimes, we care so much, we wanna carry everyone's cross for them. And sometimes even as a parent, I can tell you, there's times where it's like, God, I need to do this for my kids, I need to do this for my kids, I need to do this for their kids. We have to teach our kids to have their own relationship with God and they have to learn to carry their own cross. Now Jesus said, or Paul, you should share one another's burdens, but your own relationship, you have to carry your own cross before God. Cross, this symbol, this horrible and ugly picture of death, crucifixion, sacrifice, Philippians 2.12 says, dear friends, as we all are, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I'm away, even more important, work hard, you, work hard you to show the results of whose salvation? Not your neighbors, not your friends, not your kids. Show the results of your salvation. You know, I work for a sales company and if you don't show results in sales, you don't, you don't get to be around anymore. If you cannot show that you can grow every single month, every single year, they cut you loose. It's the number one company in the United States. And if you don't grow, if you don't show results, you're gone, you're out of there. And so sometimes when it comes to Christianity, we don't really think, what are the results of my salvation? But Paul says, listen, I spoke to you, I taught you, and I instructed you. And now at this point in your life, I want to see results. I want to see what you're doing on your own, on your own two feet. You know, how, can, how many of us, you know, with uh, having kids, we can remember those diaper days. 
And changing diapers is one of the most lovely things to do as a parent. You know, when that diaper comes off and, you know, pee's flying here and poo's going there, it is just one of the greatest things. And what even better than changing a diaper is the day you teach your kid to do what? Go potty by themselves. There's many Christians today who still don't know how to potty by themselves. And they're still waiting for daddy in heaven to change their little diaper. If God has put you here, and he has, if God's put you here with a purpose, and he has, if God's given you so much gifts and talents and ability, and he has, if God has given you looks and strength and all of these things, he's saying today, I want to see the results of your salvation. Stop worrying about everybody else. And I need you just to carry and focus on your salvation. And what are the things you're doing in your salvation to be saved and show the results from what you've been saved. Jesus goes on to say, because again, he's speaking to people who are only looking for blessings and miracles and healings and, and good things. And so he says, I want you to think before you become one of my followers. I've been in the church a long time, and many of us here have, and many of us have heard thousands of sermons, and many of us have seen pastors who have used the line at the end, if you were to die today, do you know if you're going to heaven or not? If you were to go outside and you get hit by a car, and that's horrible and tragic to think about, how many of us have heard this exact prayer at the end, if you died right now, where would you go? Many people have said a prayer, but really didn't mean that prayer at all. Many people have thought, oh my gosh, what if I did die right now? And started becoming afraid. What if I was to go outside? Ah, oh, I better do what the pastor tells me to do. Jesus in this story, he illustrates something very important. I don't want you just to be a believer. I want you to be a follower. I don't want you just to be a believer because sometimes believers don't believe anymore. But people who follow, they choose to follow things through. And so Jesus is painting this picture to thousands of people and he's saying, stop being just a believer and be a follower. But before you make the decision, before someone scares you into anything, think about this. Think. Use your brain. You know that our brain is a very powerful tool. In 0.25 and a quarter of a second, it takes our mind to react to something that we see. It takes our brain point one seventh of a second to respond on audio, something we hear. It takes point one five fifth of a second to respond to being touched. Our brain processes at 60 bit per second. Our brain, if you ever thought of RAM in a computer, our brain can store 2.5 million gigabytes of RAM. Our brain has 23 watts of power. Our mind is powerful. And as Jesus said in this story, I want you to count the costs, meaning I want you to think about what it means to be a Christ follower, to be a believer. He's given us the ability. And how many of us have said, I'm trying not to think today because my brain hurts, right? I'm trying not to think too hard because my brain is soggy and cloudy and foggy and all these things. No, it's not. God's brain that he has put inside of you, you are a super powerful engine tool that is up here. He has given you this great mind to be able to think deep. 
the ability to think about and make a commitment that we can take, not based on blessings, but solely on what he's put us here to do. Jesus said in John 4, 34, he says, my nourishment, my food, my next burrito, my next pizza, my next steak, my nourishment, my satisfaction, my fulfillment comes from doing simply the will of God who sent me here and that's it. And so as he said, think about being a follower, there's two words and he goes on to paint the picture and he uses the word build. And he says, how many people would start a house? And the bummer thing is, can you imagine starting a house and having, let's say you had, um, let's say you go to a contractor and he's an absolute liar. And you go to the contractor and say, I wanna build a new house, I've got my land, and how much is the house gonna cost? And he tells you, your house is gonna cost you 5,000 bucks. You're like, okay, I got that. But as the builder gets into the project, what does the house really cost today? 50, 75, 100,000, really depends what you put into it, right? But it's gonna cost more than 5,000 bucks to build a house from scratch. Jesus paints this picture, many people don't really realize what he's asking us every single day. And so they become a Christian and they give up on being a Christian. They say, God, build this life in me. God, build, God, build me up. And yes, God is faithful. Whatever he started in you, he is going to complete in you, right? It's not God who gives up, who gives up? Who gives up? We do, right? We do, we're the ones who give up. Jesus paints a picture of being a builder. And as he paints this picture of being a builder, understanding that he does want to build you and complete every single thing that he's promised to you and for you and through you. Don't give up on God and what he wants to do. But you know what? A lot of times that doesn't mean, and no offense, that doesn't mean that we get to pick how we grow as a Christian. That doesn't mean that we get to pick what we read in the Bible and those are the only things that we're gonna follow in the Bible. We're not gonna follow the whole Bible. There's only a few stories that I like and those are the ones that I follow. Allowing God to build us. If you could pick the house of your dreams, I know most of you in here would pick a very nice, beautiful house. Whether it's simple, it's still gonna be nice. But when it comes to being a Christian, many of us are not allowing God to build us the way that he wants to build us. God wants to build you strong. God wants to build you to be able to hold courage, fight, grit. God wants to build you to be able to hold so much love and compassion. But many times the concrete gets laid, two by four start going up and we walk out. As soon as we hear something that we don't like, eh, that's not God. Eh, that's not God. It's the whole Bible. It's the whole counsel. Let God continue to build in you what he's put you here to do. Jesus said, listen, my nourishment, the best, my nourishment comes from doing what he wants. And if you would allow him to continue to build in you, even if it hurts, if I was a two by four and a nail was being driven into me, would it feel good? No. At times, what God is going to do to you, is it always gonna feel good? No. We are, we as people, are, have you ever taken a step back and say, we are so fickle and funny? The minute life gets tough, the minute we feel an ounce of pain, 
the minute something just doesn't look right, we become, you know, superstitious and we become this and that. And we're afraid to do this, afraid to do that, afraid of this, afraid of that. Pain is actually a part of life. Pain is a part of the process. And you know what? Pain helps you grow as a person. God is going to drive things into you that it will not feel good. And many of us this morning, as he's driven, tried to drive those things into us, we say, ah, that's not God. Let me close my ears. The second word that he goes on to describe is fight. Life is a fight and life is a battle. And as he paints this picture of this war and battle, he says, if you were gonna go to war, you this morning say to yourself, I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior and I'm a general and I'm gonna lead my troops to battle. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna win. Hey, life, right? Many years from now, right? Will you be happy knowing that you ran or you fought? God's made you be a warrior. And so as Jesus paints this picture, he says, would you rather go to war with 10,000 or 20,000? All of us, 20,000, right? I'd rather have more men, more weapons, more stuff, more tanks, more airplanes. Wait, we gave those to Iraq. Just kidding. We would rather, we would rather go to war with more stuff, right? Wouldn't we? Do you know what? Life is a fight. Life is a battle. Life is every single day learning how to fight the fight. Have you ever been tired from life? Has life ever got you down? Have you ever been tired at all? You know why we get tired? There's a few reasons why we get tired. Number one, we're fighting the wrong battle. So many people today, they're tired because they think they're fighting the correct battle when they're fighting somebody else's battle. Number two, you know why we get tired so easy? Because we constantly compare our life with somebody else's and that's the way I wanna live and that's what I wanna have and that's what I wanna do. This is what's gonna make me happy. Always comparing your life with somebody else is gonna wear you out. Fighting the fight that God's put you here to fight, it actually drives you with strength and vigor and ambition. Doing what God put you here to do. And number one, you know what, in the Old Testament, how many of us remember that, that verse that talked about, why is my house left in ruins while you go out and focus on your house and everything else? God says it's my house that you should focus on first. If you focus on his house and doing what he wants you to do, not what you want to do, all those things will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God first. Seek his kingdom. Seek what he wants you to do first, and then he'll reward you. Then he'll bless you. Dedicate everything that you have to his kingdom, advancing his kingdom, and then he'll add to your life. Many fighting the wrong battle today. Life is a fight. We know that. But still many of us are holding to the wrong battle. And how many of us sometimes we, we just let people bother us? We let things and people bother us. First Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight. True faith, hold tight to eternal life, which God has called you, which you've declared so well before so many witnesses. Fight the good fight this morning. Make sure you're fighting the right battle. Don't fight your enemies. Let God take care of your enemies. Don't let the people who haunt you and bother you and taunt you take you down. Let God worry about that. You focus on what you need to focus and let God do the rest. How many times have we seen in the Old Testament when the Israelites would go to war, did he put the whole entire army out every time? No. 
Why? Because he wanted to show to the Jewish people, I can win a battle with one of you. I can win a war with two of you. I can win a war five, five of you. I can win a battle. I can win a war. I just need one. I just need one. We don't need the whole army. God today wants to show himself to you in a mighty, mighty way. If we stop collecting money and weapons and let God come in and step in, God wants to show how awesome he is that he provides more than anything. Jesus goes on to say, after he talked about building and fighting, he said, you must have give up every single thing if you wanna be my disciple. You know, this morning, one of the greatest things that takes place in our life is stuff. Stuff. God put you here as a steward, not as the owner. God, what he's put into your lap, it's not yours. One day when you go, you don't get to take it with you when you die. We could not, as much as we'd want to, want to put a boat. You know, if we're going to be cremated, whatever. But if we're going to put, you know, if we're going to go on the ground, you're not going to put your boat on the ground with you. You're not going to put your bank account full of money because no matter what anybody tells you, once you're gone, they take your money. You might ask for your money to be buried with you. Don't worry, someone will get it. Okay, so no matter what you try to do and save, someone's going to take your money, guaranteed. No matter what you think, and I think in my mind, that I need to own today, God hasn't put you as an owner. He's put you as the steward to take care of and be responsible with the things in your life. You are not the one who is the sole ownership and the sole one to possess. Because sometimes more than anything as a believer, what is it that we do? As we seek to get stuff, stuff gets us. We become possessed by stuff. We become possessed by stuff. Jesus goes on to say, be salty. Don't let anything take your salt away. The Old Testament, or the New Testament, Jesus was speaking this. Salt was used to flavor, and many of us get that today because we put salt on our, some people put salt on everything, right? Meat, potatoes, fish, doesn't matter. Salt is good. I salt everything, right? Salt is for flavor. Salt creates thirst. It preserves. It's a preservative. Salt also kills weeds. If we just look at salt for a second, it adds flavor. God's put you on the earth to add your flavor. You, need, you don't need to add someone else's flavor that you see on TV or you see on social media. Let them have them, their own life. You are unique and specific in why he puts you here. Add the flavor of you to life everywhere you go and everything you do. You are the only one. You are the only one that is you that God created. You are unique. Bring your own special flavor to that. You are a preservative. God's put you here to preserve what he's already brought from behind us, right? The past, all the things that God has done in the past as Christians and believers and being salty to preserve, to remind, to remember all the great things that God has done. And thirdly, salt used, I love this, to kill weeds. How many of us, if we have a yard, we know that we see weeds once in a while? And if you this morning, let's just pretend that your life is a garden. How many weeds do you let grow in your garden? Exactly. How many weeds do you allow to be in the garden of your life? And we wake up tired, we wake up grouchy, we wake up depressed, we can wake up mad, we can wake up 
confused. We can wave all these things, and we want to point fingers at everybody else. And it's you who did this to me, and you who did this to me, and you who did this to me, you who did this to me. Well, God's saying, listen, your life's the garden. You need to kill your own weeds. You let them grow. You watered the weeds. And now you have the effects of what you've allowed into your life to grow. Be salty. Be a flavor. Be the one who preserves goodness, grace, mercy, all that God is. Lastly, insult, don't forget to kill your weeds. Jesus ends as he's talking to these people and he says, listen. Though everyone has ears, not everyone listens. Though we all have two ears, and maybe they don't all work correctly and properly. Though everyone has ears, not everyone listens. Because when it comes to God, most of us have learned to have selective hearing. And Jesus knew this with the audience. The Pharisees didn't want to get Jesus. The religious leaders of the day, they did not want to get Jesus. They didn't. So they didn't want to listen. Because in listening, the religious would have changed. How many of us, we've heard stories and sermons all of our life, but yet there's certain areas of life that we've not let God change? Because we have selective hearing. How many of us, we've heard blessing, you should be blessed. You are supposed to be blessed and this and that and that and that. But yet really haven't seen the blessing. There's a process to get the blessing. If you want blessing, it's not... You have to go through the process to get to that end of blessing. And the process isn't easy. And that's where that selective hearing comes in. I want blessing. And so Jesus, as he's speaking this, again, it's to a crowd who followed him. He knew because they only wanted to see miracles. Today in our world, we have so many people who all they want to do is they want to follow God for the blessing. They don't want to follow God through the pain. They don't want to follow God through the trial. They don't want to follow God through the test. And so we wrap up this morning. There's two things I ask. One, what's your perspective for 2022? Remember the top three goals 2022 around the world? Exercise, lose weight, save more money. And most people, we know someone who we've heard one of those three things. We've heard it. And some of us in this room, we stop making New Year's resolutions because it just never, we never do it, right? It's just like, eh, it's just another year. But as every new day, every new year begins, you should see is the perspective that I have. Am I aiming my life in the right direction? So this morning I got a little fun toy here. And um, as I have this, how many of us know, you know, as we... This works pretty good too, I have to admit. Huh? This, this little toy, 20 bucks at Walmart. Thank goodness for Walmart. But you could just shoot it anywhere, right? But just kind of waving, and I'm not gonna hit any of you, I promise. If I was gonna hit anybody, it'd be Joel. But his wife's next to him, so I can't. But he knows I love him, right? Does it really help anyone if we had, you know, a crossbow, a real one, and we're hunting food for a living, and we just thought, ah, I could just shoot these arrows anywhere and eventually it's gonna hit somebody? Not really, right? 
if God's given your, your life as a crossbow and you need to aim it directly, that's so fun, so that you hit somebody, it takes perspective. I just want to keep doing it, but. And many of us this morning, even though New Year's begin, your perspective has pointed you in the wrong direction. It takes aim. It takes practice. It takes dropping selective hearing because there's many more things God wants to build in you that we're not letting build. It takes aim. And then secondly, it takes us. So this morning as we remembered and as we honored Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., there are times where it's one man who changes a generation. And we see it in the Bible, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Jonah, all those great men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? All the prophets, Hosea, Zephaniah, all these great men, Isaiah, right? Big King David, and everyone remembers King David because he was awesome. And you can't forget his best friend, Jonathan, because Jonathan's a great name. But all the people in the Bible that we remember, it really wasn't just them. There always was somebody with them. And even though Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was a great speaker, said great things. Most of those speeches weren't written by himself. He wrote it with other people. It takes more than just one. It takes us. And today, more than anything, God is asking us to aim perspective at where he wants to point you. And understanding it's not just one, it's not just two, but it's us as a people being, being together, being church together and attacking what he's called us here to do. So as we wrap up this morning, what goals have you set for 2022? As we wrap up this morning, what goals do you need to change? Remember, simple godly goals for 2022. God first, God above, keeping him where he belongs. Carrying my own cross, not worrying about anybody else's. Thinking, because my brain can handle what God wants me to think about. To be committed, to allow him to build in me what he wants to build. To remember, I have to fight. I have the ability, I have the strength, I have the vigor. No matter how old I am, I am ready to fight. Not with my fists, but on my knees. I'm not here to be an owner of what, what I have. I'm here to steward it. I'm going to be salty. I'm going to be flavorful. I'm going to preserve. I'm going to kill weeds. And lastly, I'm going to listen, and then I'm going to take aim with my life. Make sure you know where you're going. Because one day when we die, right, we all want to know. Daniel, come on up. A couple last quotes, and then we're going to close as we honor the king here this morning, Dr. Martin Luther King and our King Jesus. But he said this, and I love this. If you can't fly, because you have to have a vaccine to fly, then run. If you can't run, walk. If you don't feel like running, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. The time is always right to do what's right. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. Be a highway instead of a trail. If you can't be a sun, be the star. For it isn't the size that you win or fail. It's not the size of what you accomplish. It's not what you win or fail in, but it's being the best of what he's put you here to do. We are not makers of history, 
We are made by history. We are not makers of history. We are made by history. Love, you see, it's redemptive. And this is why Jesus says love. There's something about love that builds us up. It's creative. There's something about hate that tears down. It's destructive. Love your enemies. And last one, when we allow freedom to ring, we let it ring from every village, from every hamlet, from every state, from every city. We will be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black men, white men, Jews and Gentiles, Catholics will be able to join hands and sing the words of the old spiritual song, free at last, and thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Stand with me this morning. Luke 4, 18, same verse we closed with last week. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I want you to close your eyes and just listen to this and repeat it to yourself. The Spirit this morning is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me this morning. The Spirit of my God is upon me this morning. And my God, He has anointed me today to bring good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Let us not seek, seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred this morning, but let us seek to do what God put you here to do. Aim your life this morning in the right direction and let God shoot you in his direction.